quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast featuring me. My name's Noelle. And and me. M- my name's Nicole. And all <laughs> a room full of baby critters. My dog's chewing on a bone right now, so if you hear that, that's definitely... That's... It's what it is. Definitely only Abra chewing on a bone and not... Not me. Are you? No. I, that's not you? Also chewing on a bone? Uh-uh. I was chewing on a... That's just my recording pen that I like to chew on. Mm, right. Sorry. I didn't know we both use that pen. That's... I'm sorry to that. Uh, so, hi. Hi. It's Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. It was. You know what else it was? What was it? It was a week of tropical vacations. I was going in a whale. It was Jamaica's giving. It was Jamaica is giving. It was amazing. We just went on vacation. We just got back. We went on vacation. We just got back. Um, I didn't want to come back. I forgot that it was winter. Yeah. Remember... Remember when we were in bathing suits and we had to put on sunscreen so our skin didn't burn? Dude, I put on so much sunscreen and I got the stupidest burn. Yeah, I surprisingly didn't. I don't know. It was just like on like part of my hip and it has like a big like loop from my bathing suit and it looks so fucking stupid. It was like a part of you where it's easy to miss. Like, you know, like you just like think you put it all on and then you didn't. Yeah. But it was really fun. Uh, we went to the jungle of Jamaica. We that was to, yeah. sick. We ate a monkey brain. That was wild. We jumped in a blue hole. We did. And I have to tell you guys, that hole was blue. It was the bluest hole I've ever seen. It was the deepest hole. It was. It's a pretty deep hole. The wettest hole. It was so wet. It was it's a very wet, everything, deep blue hole. Everything a hole should be. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> There's three criteria for a hole. Those are those are my three things I look for in a hole. That's what I look for. <laughs> it was fun. Um, we didn't see any cool animals. That was a little disappointing. Well, we did see a tiny. We saw a little dog, and it was so skinny. We did. It was so cute. We gave her a pet, and she like put her face in her hand. It was just like mm. she was just a little baby. Yeah. And then we saw a lizard. Also a little baby. We did. Those are the only two animals we saw, though. And then we saw two grown women have a fist fight next to a pool. Oh, yeah, we did. I forgot what that Over was. Over some dude's dick who was apparently out around children, which I just... I don't know. We didn't eat the whole... They were French. I mean, the French are going to do what the French are going to do. French are going to whip their dicks out at a pool, a it, public pool with children around. That's their. That's part of their national anthem, actually. <laughs> it's like liberté, fraternité... Dicks out at a pool. Today. A tay. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of what they're known for. <laughs> Dicks out at a pool. Yeah. There's uh, one thing the French like. <laughs> the French like actually three things. They love pastries. Mm. They love saying "sacré bleu." And putting their dicks out. Dicks out at a pool. Dicks out at a pool. Dicks <laughs> out for Jesus. At the pool. Dicks out for France. Um. Yeah, so we're feeling well rested. We're feeling good. It's Sunday night. We're gonna hit this one hard. We're gonna. It's a Sunday night, and we're alive. Technically, we are alive. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm very tired. I'm pretty tired. It's only like six o'clock, but we got this. We, we got, got this. this. All right. So this week, um, can I give us a little little sneak peek into what's going on right now? We're Talking about a murder. I'm singing too much during this. Yeah, I'm going to bring you guys a story of a murder, which I've wanted to do for a while because I could potentially be related to one of the people in this story. This guy is Nicole's relative. He one he has to be. There's, There's no, no way. way. There's no way he's not. How many people even have your last name? No, in the not a lot. So his last name's Lonius. I've literally never met another Lonius that isn't related to me. Um, and he's also from, I think he came from, like, southern Illinois, which is where my grandfather's family was from. So, like, how many Lonniuses? I'm literally going on the U.S. Census website right now. Mm. And there are, that can't be right, hmm. 799 people in the United States called Lonnius. Well, I was recently at a party, and uh, this guy told me that I share the same last name as a video game designer or a game designer named Richard Lonius. Of course. Who wouldn't know uh, that? How did you not know that, Nicole? He apparently created Arkham Horror and Elder Sign, 
which is weird. And I feel like I have to be related to him. Also, eight hundred people <laughs> in a country rich and with, successful. So, eight hundred people in a country with hundreds of millions of people. There's a pretty good chance you were related to every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one in my family knows. Like, I've asked around about this guy and the story that I'm going to tell you guys about fairly shortly. Well, they um, keep it hush hush. Let's be honest. I yeah, it's like I don't know if they know or if they maybe just don't want me to know. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. But I will say that there is also a movie about this case called Wonderland. Oh, it's it's so good. And we watched it. It's not so good. I thought it was so fun. It was all right. It wasn't great. It's star studded. Okay, here's the thing. I just wanna I just wanna put a little little note into the into the dish candy dish here. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that you know, as as I always say, put a note in the candy dish. Um I think ninety eight percent of movies are like sort of fun. It's not. It wasn't bad. I wasn't mad that I watched it. Just like, okay. So I'll I'll give you a rundown of who's in this movie. It's Val Kilmer, Lisa Kudrow, Kate Bosworth. I mean, Christina Applegate, Carrie Motherfucking Fisher. That was a surprise. Like I was like, is that Carrie Fisher? And you said yes. Yeah. Surprised we haven't heard of this movie before, but I think it's because. Is one of those things where the studio thought it was going to be really good, mm-hmm. and then like when it all came together, it just kind of fell flat, type of thing. Like it was sort of fun. It wasn't like, oh my god, you have to see Wonderland. No, no. Like I would never say that to anyone. <laughs> no, I would never. I would never. I would never suggest it. But it is sort of fun. Yeah. Another fun fact about this case is that there is a 26 minute long video of the crime scene. What? It's fucking gnar. You can find it on YouTube. All you have to do is Google it. But remember, they Did you watch it. it? Oh, parts of it, yeah. They show everything. They they show everything. Really? Yeah, it's a crime scene video. They have to. That's a long crime scene. Video. Um, they have it on the DVD. Actually, oh, the like Wonderland DVD has bonus. a special feature. You can watch the twenty six minute long crime scene video. Kind of fucked up. <laughs> Super. Super messed up. It's like real dead people. Yeah. And then like Val Kilmer and like fucking Phoebe from Friends. What if they did like a commentary? <laughs> it was like Val Kilmer and Phoebe and they did like a commentary to the back of the crime scene video. I would honestly, that would be amazing. Oh. Or if, what if it was like a dramatic like reenactment with just the two of them like they do from like Unsolved Mysteries. That's my favorite part of crime shows is the dramatic. The, yeah. yeah. Those are the best part though. You get, it's the best part. so good. It's yeah. so good. Um, so yeah, if do we want to just like get in, get into it? I feel like we should just like I don't know, like dive deep, like we're diving into like into some it? kind of blue hole or something. All right, let's dive deep into the blue hole that is the Wonderland Murders, also known as the Four on the Floor Murders and the Laurel Canyon Murders. Four on the Floor Murders makes me feel like it should be said with like some kind of mobster type accent, like Four on the Floor, Four on the Floor. You know, this is scarier. Well, yeah. All right. So before we get into the gruesome details of this murder that left four dead at 8763 Wonderland Avenue. Were they on the floor? They were. All four? Yes. That's why it's called the four (laughs) on the floor murders. Oh, crazy. Crazy. (laughs) There are a couple of players here that we need to go over so we can fully understand the story and understand what led to the events that left Four people with their heads brutally beaten in yes. on the floor. On the floor. So first we have the Wonderland Gang. That's so cute. Right? Yeah. Named because their hangout and most some of their home was located on Wonderland Avenue. And Wonderland Avenue was in Laurel Canyon, which is a Hollywood Hills neighborhood. And in the 60s, the neighborhood was home to musicians and creative types and was known as a good area. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like the Hollywood area was generally like pretty cool and just like full of like really like creative people at the time. Hollywood Hills. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. What song is that? I just made it up. Oh, really? It's not from a song. (laughs) It just came out of me. I don't know. Amazing. I've never... I've never heard you improv with such bravado before. Thank you. I just, Thank you. I got goosebumps. <laughs> However, in the 70s, criminal activity began to rise, all thanks to the residents at 8763 Wonderland, better known as the Wonderland Gang. It's just honestly, it's like so cute. Like I'm picturing like one of them is like a mascot from like 
like a kid show or something. Mm -hmm. And then like just like a bunch of like ne'er do well children be like, hey, Mister. <laughs> Why are you getting that? I don't know. Wonderland. It's just so whimsical. Yeah, I would think more like Alice in Wonderland, not children. That's what children say. I don't know. It's just so whimsical. It's like a gang, a murder gang doesn't have mm. a right to have such a whimsical name. Well, they weren't very whimsical because the Wonderland gang was very into the buying and selling of narcotics. And they were in cahoots with some very shady people. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. The Wonderland gang consisted of five people. Ronald Lee or Ron Lonius. <gasps> That's Nicole's third cousin, twice removed on her dad's side. Spelled exactly like my last name. Yeah. Ron was the leader of the Wonderland gang. His second in command was William Raymond, or Billy Classic. Deverell. The third member was Deverell's girlfriend, 46-year-old Joy Audrey Gold Miller. So many names. Whose name was also on the lease for the townhouse. <laughs> then we have Tracy Raymond McCourt. And then David Clay Lind, who was a friend of Ron's after they had met in prison. Okay. So that, that like, if you had known Cousin Ronnie, you probably would have had to call, like, David, like, Cousin David or something. Like, mm, I feel like family reunions. I probably wouldn't would you because call he okay. wasn't a very great guy. Would you call him Cousin Ronnie or just Ron? Well, like he if, was. Like, if you, like, you had, like, met, like. Oh, like if he was lived around here? If you like met him at like a family reunion. Probably Ronnie. I feel like a lot of people called him Ronnie. He's got Ronnie energy. He'd be like Uncle Ronnie, though. He wouldn't be cousin. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. maybe he'd be like seventh cousin once removed, some bullshit like that. Yeah. Anyways, David Clay Lind was a freelance biker bounty hunter who had done time in federal prison for drug smuggling. And David joined the Aryan Brotherhood in prison and had a girlfriend named Barbara Richardson, nicknamed, nicknamed Butterfly, oh. who also hung around with the crew. Because she was so beautiful and also had six legs. Yes, that is why they <laughs> called her Butterfly. <laughs> the house the gang called home was a split level with a front car park carport and a front iron framework balcony and like i said the house was in joy miller's name and joy became a heroin a heroin addict after some medical issues including surviving breast cancer which caused her separation from her rich husband and her luxurious beverly hills lifestyle that's really sad yeah her drug addiction was how she fell in with the wonderland gang Joy Miller's boyfriend, Billy Deverell, the second in command, was known as being the level-headed one of the group. He was 44 years old, and he was the member of the group that had the biggest consciousness, or so they said. He felt bad about his criminal past and his heroin abuse, but since he was so ingrained in the drug world, it was hard for him to break free, but... Also take that with a grain of salt because he had been arrested 13 times. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly how bad he actually felt about his life of crime. He's like beating someone to death and he's crying the whole time. He's like, I'm so sorry, man. Just, I got to do it. I don't know why. I just got to do it. Yeah. Well, he was apparently the exact opposite of his fierce leader and probably my cousin, Ron Lonius. Cousin Ronnie. Cousin Ronnie. Ron was the king of Wonderland, and he was known to not take any shit from anyone. He ran his business with an iron fist and didn't care who he had to step on along the way. Oh. Ron was born in Shawneetown, Illinois. Uh... Yep. <laughs> in 1944. Okay. Ron served in the U.S. Air Force during the Vietnam War, where he was dishonorably discharged for smuggling drugs back to the U.S. How did he do this, might you ask? God's pocket? In the bodies of dead soldiers. Whoa. Yeah. Honestly, that's pretty clever. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. pretty ruthless. Pretty ruthless. Okay. But that's just the kind of guy that... Cousin Ronnie was. That's a cousin Ronnie. Um, also, I just have to mention it because we are the world's foremost geography podcast. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, Shawneetown, Illinois is 
313 miles away from us. South, right? Yeah, it's south. It's on, like, the border of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. See? Even Jane knows. Jane's just like, yeah, dumbass. So Ron grew up in southern Illinois, where my grandfather's family also lived. Mm-hmm. And this was before he moved to California. He was ruthless and had a reputation as such. Ron was estimated to be involved in as many as 27 homicides in the Sacramento area in the 70s. That's a fuck ton. Yeah, he was just not not a really good guy. That sucks. I don't want to, like, I'm sorry, but, like, your cousin Ronnie sucks. I know. Yeah. That's why we don't talk about Ronnie. <laughs> we don't talk about Ronnie. <laughs> Ron Lonius, and it sounds weird saying that in regards to a person other than someone in my family, mm-hmm. but uh, Lonius, anyways, was rough and tough, and he had already been in and out of prison for smuggling. And in May 1974, Ron was arrested for murdering a police informant in 1973, so the year prior. Ron got lucky when charges were eventually dropped because the prosecution's star witness accidentally died in a police shootout. I feel like we should put air quotes around accidentally. I don't think he actually had anything to do with that, though. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's just like he just got fucking lucky. I don't think he did anything. Wow. I mean, not from what I could find. Like, he had nothing to do with it. He just was a lucky dude. That's Lonius. That's Lonius. That's what they say about you, Lonius. Lonius would later serve three years in prison for smuggling heroin and cocaine across the Mexican border. Regardless, though, by the summer of 1981, Lonius was already a person of interest in 24 other different homicides. So it was only a matter of time before he was caught and then put away for good. So he was kind of like in and out of prison, but they thought he was doing – they just couldn't really pin him on it much, but they knew he was – Doing 24 homicides. Committing lots of crimes. They're like, oh, he's just doing double-digit homicides. <laughs> yeah. Casual. Ron also had a wife named Susan Lonius, which is also my aunt's name. <gasps> like the rest of the crew, she too was a drug addict, but she tended to stay out of the gang activities. So she was a part of the crew, but not really a part of the gang. I like it. As I mentioned before, the gang primarily made their money off of selling and distributing illegal drugs. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they dealt with mostly cocaine and heroin, but they also gained a lot of their revenue from performing various armed robberies. The gang was known for stealing from other drug dealers and rival gangs. That's ballsy, man. Ballsy as fuck. They would dress up as police officers and steal from other drug dealers confiscating their drugs so then they can just in turn like turn that around and sell it back to them or just like take them themselves honestly it was really clever (laughs) and it was the 70s so like everyone probably believed it if you don't get caught though (laughs) and this was a way for them to earn some quick cash and also ensure they were the top group with all of the goods in the neighborhood Sounds like a super awesome, great plan, right? Like yeah. we were just saying. Uh-huh. Well, this would eventually backfire and would eventually lead to the gang's demise. Oh, no. A group of bad guys doing bad things turned out to be a bad thing. To other bad guys. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Right? So wild. Who'd have thunk? While the gang had a bunch of shady characters coming and going, there was one in particular that was a standout amongst the rest. And that would be John Holmes, the porn star, mm-hmm. known for his extremely large dick. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. Did you? Oh, yeah, we did. We looked it up. <laughs> we looked up his dick. We looked up his dick. It's a big dick. <laughs> he was also a drug abuser and was known to chill with the gang and even help in some illegal activities they performed. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll call him, like, an honorary member of the yeah. Wonderland gang. They called him Big Dick Johnny, and rumor has it he used his massive dick to club people to death. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say to unlock doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Like pick locks with it. He was that good. He would he would go over to rival gangs and just show them <laughs> his giant dick and everyone they'd be take a so, look at this. They'd be so <laughs> slam it on the table. They'd be so in awe that everyone else would just steal the drugs right in front of their eyes without even noticing. He was the distraction. <laughs> Everybody. 
like with sound effects. All right, so John Curtis Holmes, or what did you call him? Big Dick. Johnny Big Dick. Johnny Big Dicks. <laughs> he was born in August. He was born August eighth, nineteen forty four. Was also known as Johnny Wad. Ew. And <laughs> that was was that his porn name? <laughs> it might have been. I think he was just John Holmes. I think Johnny Wad was just like a nickname. But that's okay. Fucking gross. I mean, hey. I hate Johnny Wads. Well, you know what? This is a sport name. He was a porn star with credits for at least 573 films. Nice. And probably more uncredited. So, well, yeah. Okay. So many, so many films. And John is one of the most, well, he's considered one of the most prolific porn stars in adult film history. Nice. Good for him. Because. He was best known for his very, very large dong. It was long and it was thick. Yeah. And although there isn't any legit documented proof, some say it was 13 and a half inches long. Rumor has it. The legend has it. Legend of Big Dick Johnny. Yeah. So no documented measurement of Holmes's actual penis length, girth, tumescence. Sexual stamina or ejaculate volume has ever been confirmed. And that is an actual sentence written on Wikipedia that I felt the need to re- reverberate and repeat verbatim for all of your ears to hear. The t- no one knew the true tumescence of his dick. Nope. No one knew. That's sh- fuck. That sounds like Shakespeare. It's a mystery. No one could have knoweth the tumescence of thy... Tumescence. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, Holmes was also the inspiration for the movie Boogie Nights. Are you fucking me? Mark Wahlberg's character Dirk Diggler yeah. was actually inspired by John Holmes and his adult film career. Um, Wahlberg wishes. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Cinematographer Bob Vossi, Voss, Vossi? Sure. I'm going to say Vossi, once said, end quote, John Holmes was to the adult film industry what Elvis Presley was to rock and roll. He simply was the king. Jesus fucking Christ. So, <laughs> so that's a thing. That's, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like there's one listener that's being like, oh yeah, John Holmes. Yeah, for sure. I've seen, I've seen his work. It's, oh yeah, dude, Monster Dog. I've seen it. <laughs> By 1981, John Holmes's booming porn career came to an abrupt end because John had developed a drug problem and he had a reliance on narcotics that led to an inability to perform sexual acts while on camera. Couldn't get it hard. Nope. Each job with each failed job, Holmes was led deeper and deeper into his drug habit. Until his career was officially over and he resorted to crime to keep up with his habit. Okay. Failed job. Deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper. Okay. It was hard for him to, to stay. You know, it to was, last it was long. Very, it was very hard. It's hard for him to last long. It was hard and thick. He had to come to terms with what was happening. Yes. Yeah. It was just a load he could not, could not handle. <laughs> he could not swallow. He could not swallow the load. Holmes would break <laughs> Holmes would break into cars and steal luggage from LAX airport to support his coke addiction. Hey, also pretty clever, honestly. He would basically do anything to get some cash fast to just get his next fix, which is kind of sad. Like he at mm-hmm. this point was just an addict. It wasn't long until this lifestyle of addiction and petty crime led him to some unsavory characters, the Wonderland Gang. Don't don't. By 1981, Holmes was homeless. Holmes was homeless. Oh, <laughs> and just barely getting by, stealing and getting whatever money he could manage from his estranged wife, Sharon. Played by Lisa Kudrow. Played by Lisa Kudrow. Yes. <laughs> At this time, Holmes was living in hotels with his much, much younger 20-year-old girlfriend, girlfriend Dawn, who, like Holmes, was addicted to coke and crack. And John actually met Dawn when she was only 15 years old, and he was 32. And they hooked up. Yeah. 
Whoa. Problematic. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what? Hot take. John Holmes is problematic. <laughs> Very Hot? Is that a hot take? I don't know if we would call that a hot take. Uh, I have a controversial opinion about John Holmes. Not, okay. All right. About John Big Dicks. Johnny Wad. Johnny, Johnny Wad. I don't know why that bothers me the most. Out of all of the things about him, that's the thing. Just the word Wad is so unsavory. Well, Holmes's drug problem eventually led him to Billy Deverell, the second in command of the Wonderland gang. And the two became friends, and Billy introduced John to the other members of the gang. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, you gotta check out this dude's dick. Honestly, yeah, John was a party guy, and he liked to party, because parties meant coke. Mm. And usually free coke for him, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, he was this once famous porn star with a huge cock. Yeah. So everyone was like, yeah, here, take this. Yeah. Holmes was pretty much used as an entertainment piece for parties. Like, guests would just ask him to whip out his dick for shits and gigs, and he did. I bet, oh, man, if selfies had been a thing in the 70s, I bet there would be, like, 9,000 selfies with this man's giant flaccid dick. Oh, I'm sure he would charge for it, too, as he should. Honestly? He honestly should. He apps, it's like a roadside attraction. (laughs) Yes. Something John was not above was using his big dick and his fame to get these things. Yeah. Especially if it meant a free bump. Hey, you man, know, If you got it, flaunt it. In fact, if John was really strapped for cash and drugs, he was also not above prostituting himself out. Oh, okay. Or even worse, prostituting his girlfriend, Dawn, <sighs> out, which he did quite often. No. Yeah, something that most of the time was not consensual on Dawn's part that's really so sad. yeah okay. not a good guy not a good guy again controversial opinion yeah actually he was a huge cock boy to don that's so sad. um he was physically and mentally abusive to her not only would he force don to have sex with others for cash or drugs he would also force don to have sex with him whenever he wanted it mm. okay because a good guy okay mm, yeah yeah billy Deverell let john hang around with the group because i mean he was famous. Right. And if John Holmes was at his parties, that meant more addicts would want to come and, you know, witness the giant dong of John Holmes and also score some drugs along the way. So it was kind of like a marketing oh, yeah. technique also. Yeah, it's like it's like when they have like DJs playing at clubs and they're like, and also Paris Hilton's going to be exactly. there. But it was like, this dude's dick is going to be there. It's not not like that. It's virtually identical <laughs> to that, actually. Even though Holmes was once this famous porn star, he was now just kind of like an errand boy for the Wonderland gang. Holmes would frequently crash at the Wonderland pad, running different errands here and there in exchange for drugs. Holmes's real purpose in the gang was his connection to famed nightclub owner and drug lord Eddie Nash. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if you are familiar with the movie Boogie Nights. If you guys haven't seen Boogie Nights, stop what you're doing right now. Yeah. Watch it and then come back and listen to it. I actually meant to watch it before recording this. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've seen it, too. And I didn't get to. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe when we're done recording this, we should put on Boogie Nights. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> so, if you're familiar with the film, Eddie Nash is depicted by actor Alfred Molina. And he's the drug dealer who, like, wears all the house robes and a Speedo. And he, like, dances around his house. Which a lot of people say was a very accurate, accurate representation of how... Eddie actually acted. That's a that's a bold move. Speedo? Dancing in a Speedo is a confident I'm, move. If, but if you're a drug lord, though, oh, yeah, you have true. to do that. I mean, yeah. You have to do it. You gotta do it. It's like either nice suits or, like, extremely well, casual leisure wear. Nice suits when you're out taking, like, the fire marshal to dinner oh, to, yeah. like, schmooze him. But huh. then Speedo and robe when you're in the comfort of your own home. Duh. <laughs> like, come on now. Duh. Nash was a big-time drug dealer and would distribute his drugs to patrons of his clubs, Kit Kat and Starwood. Oh, I've heard of the Kit Kat Club. Have you? Yeah. Hmm. That's like a... Is it still up and running? I don't I don't know, honestly. Hmm. Definitely heard of it, though. When Holmes's career was booming, he was Eddie's biggest customer. 
One time even spending $750,000 on drugs in one year. Wow. In the 70s, that would be equivalent to around three-ish million dollars in today's money. So just over $3 million in drugs alone in one year. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But, you know, porn was having, like, a moment in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And he was, like, the number one guy. Like, he was the porn star. Yeah. So, yeah. He was making a lot of money. He just kind of pissed it all away on drugs. He snorted it all away. Yeah. Off of his own big dick. (laughs) I mean, he probably could. That's how big it was. (laughs) Shit, actually. Yeah. I mean, but as we know, Holmes's career did not last, and it wasn't long before Holmes owed Nash a shit ton of money. Yeah, probably $3 million. (laughs) Yeah. All right. In the 70s, Eddie Nash was what we could call a big shot. Nash was a prime example of the American dream. In the 1950s, he came to L.A. from Palestine, where he opened a hot dog stand on Hollywood Boulevard. Delicious. Coming from a family of hoteliers. Hoteliers? Oh, I think you can say either one. If you want to you sound like a bougie-ass Hoteliers. Bitch, I feel like, yeah, you should say it like that because it's fancier. Hoteliers, hoteliers. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Any hot dog. Joke. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> Anyways, Nash expanded his empire to own various restaurants and then later on nightclubs in the city. He held 36 liquor licenses in Hollywood. And basically, if you were out drinking in Hollywood at the time, chances are that you were at one of his establishments. And Eddie Nash, I mean, because of all this, he was pretty untouchable. I'm sure. To criminals and to the police. I'm sure he paid off a lot Mm. of fucking people. He was a very well-connected man, let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Eddie could be a suspect in an arson case, but then would be having dinner with the city's fire commissioner twice a week. So, like, that's the kind of thing. In a speedo as a power move. (laughs) As a power move. So while the Wonderland gang controlled their small area in their neighborhood— They were, for the most part, pretty small time and nowhere near as powerful as Eddie Nash. Holmes provided the connection between Nash and the Wonderland gang. The gang would perform robberies and then Holmes would take the stuff the gang stole, bring it to Nash, and trade it for drugs, which then they would go on to sell themselves for money. Oh, wow. It's a little... They had this little arrangement. Yes. So it was mutually beneficial. It was a mutually beneficial relationship until the gang got a little greedy. That's how it always goes. The Wonderland gang made a majority of the money from stealing, and they knew Eddie Nash had a lot to steal. They also knew they had it in they had an in with John Holmes because he frequented Nash's house a lot. So mm. he was like their key in mm-hmm. there. Now, there are two accounts of what actually happened here, and no one really knows what is true, but the first one is that the group just needed money, and they knew Eddie had a lot of it, so they pegged him as their target. Yeah, I feel like they probably just got, like, ballsy at some point, you know? Mm, So there's this one. Okay. I think it was a little bit of both. I do. Okay. Okay. And then the second reason which is why some believe the Wonderland gang robbed Nash, was because of a couple of guns. So according to some reports, Lonius was in possession of two antique guns that he tried to pawn for drug money. Okay. And the shop owner that he went to just pegged them as being hot and refused to go through with the deal. I mean, smart. Also, I'm picturing, like, the Pawn Stars guys (laughs) being like... It's like, I'll give you 20 bucks for it. Yeah, the best I can do. Yeah. So they were trying to figure out what to do with these guns, and John Holmes suggested his big shot friend Eddie Nash might be interested in purchasing the guns. So Lonius gave the guns to John to take to Eddie to see if he would be interested. And apparently Nash looked at the guns and was interested, but he had Holmes leave the guns with him so he could talk to some people to try to figure out just exactly how much they were worth before actually buying them. 
Oh, oh my God. Wow, that is like Pawn Stars. Because mm. I have to call my friend who's an expert <laughs> on 18th century firearms. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's like, if that was like my family's antique guns that he got. Wow. <laughs> like like my great, 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 great grandfather's guns when that he they, tried. He was just trying to protect the family, Nicole. So Holmes left and he left the guns with Nash. And when Lonnie is found out that Nash had kept the guns, but no money was yet to be exchanged, he was enraged and he wanted his property back. It's not really clear whose idea it was to rob Eddie. Some say it was Lonnie's who floated the idea in order to get his guns back. And some say it was John who who suggested it to get himself out of hot water. But regardless... It was decided then that the crew would rob Eddie Nash to get the guns back and to also steal whatever else they could get their hands on in the process. Wow. He had like a candy dish out. They're like, I'm going to take all of the candy. All of these butterscotch. They're my favorite, guys. I was like, have you guys like had these Werther's Originals? Like, honestly, (laughs) they're so good. Like, they're so good. So the gang hatched a plan. And David Lind... Of white supremacy fame. Obviously. Uh, Billy Deverell of second in command fame. And Ron Lonius of probably being my distant cousin fame. Yeah, cousin cousin Ronnie. Cousin Ronnie. They all decided that they would dress as police officers and rob the home of notorious drug kingpin Eddie Nash. Bold move, boys. The one, who, the one who probably like paid off the cops all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we're gonna do it. And to that, we say, <laughs> you doing it, boys. You doing it. Tracy McCourt was made to be the lookout while waiting in the car outside. Obviously, and John Holmes also played a part, being the only one of the gang to have a friendly connection with Nash. Mm-hmm. It was Holmes's job to visit the home of Nash to unlock his kitchen door to provide the gang with easy access to rob away, Meryl. Rob away. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I don't see anything that could go wrong with this. <laughs> it should come as a shock to no one that John failed at his job miserably. Yeah, he is like, guys, wouldn't it be funny if I locked it with my dick? <laughs> That'd be, that'd be funny. He like tried to do it like over and over and over, mm-hmm. and like it just like yeah, it didn't work. Couldn't get this one. No, because I swear it usually it usually works. So he ended up unlocking the door in the end, but he also came and went from Nash's house a total of three times in an effort to figure out how to unlock the damn door, which was a sliding glass door. It's, are you fucking kidding me? He couldn't do it. They're notoriously the easiest doors to break into, he even was if used they're to not a, He was used to a lock, like, you know, like a normal... Oh, oh okay, I get it, yeah. He used to, like, pick the lock with he his couldn't, giant dick. He couldn't slide. The, the door was too heavy for him to slide. <laughs> There's, like, dick prints all over the glass. Yeah, she's like, John was here. <laughs> Now, the actual timeline of events here are a bit flaky because it's mostly just a he said, he said thing. But here is what cops think went down that day. So on June 29th, 1981, Ron Lanius, Billy Deverell, David Lind, and Tracy McCourt as a lookout, they all dressed as police officers and robbed the Nash household in Studio City. The crew made their way into the home through the unlocked kitchen door and immediately handcuffed Nash's 300-pound bodyguard, Gregory DeWitt Dials. Come on, Greg. What are you doing, man? Yeah. Some accounts say Dials was accidentally shot with a when a gun went off while handcuffing him, which in turn woke up Nash to find that his home was being robbed at gunpoint. And actually, if you've seen the movie Boogie Nights, uh-huh. you know that awesome scene where they're playing Jesse's girl yeah. and Marky Mark and his guys are at Alfred Molina's house uh-huh. and then there's a shootout. Well, that whole scene is loosely based on this occurrence. <laughs> so they walk in and they're like, I wish that I had Jesse's girl. <laughs> oh, shit. This guy's like 300 pounds. Should we handcuff him? And there's like loudly. And then someone accidentally shoots their gun and they're like, and Josh is like, hey, guys, check this out. He's, like, whacking shit off, like, the table with his dick. Yes. Yeah, that's... Did you call I'm him sure. Josh or John? Did you call him John? <laughs> Josh. 
Joshy Big Dick. <laughs> Other accounts say the gun went off while Nash was being made to open the safe. Regardless of which is true, the general consensus is that the gun went off accidentally and Dials was injured, but not fatally. Because John was trying to shoot it with his dick, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, he was like, shoot this out. <laughs> <laughs> According to reports, Nash fell to his knees, begged for them not to kill him, and he opened his safe. The Wonderland crew made out with various types of drugs such as heroin, cocaine, and quaaludes jewelry, and a bunch of cash. It was estimated that the crew came away with about $1 million worth of things. I mean, that's a ton, but also I would expect it to be more. $1 million in the 70s, though. Oh, $1 million seventies dollars Yeah. That's like $5 million Yeah, now. I would say somewhere around that, yeah. Nash knew immediately that this could have only been performed by someone he knew and who knew what he had. Because, like, they knew where his stuff was. Oh. They knew where he had it. Okay. So he was like, this is an inside job for sure. And obviously, his mind immediately went to Holmes, <laughs> who wasn't discreet about the whole thing. I mean, he left dick prints all over the sliding door. Honestly, just mushroom stamps all over the whole right. house. <laughs> he had visited the home three times in the days leading up to the crime, trying to figure out how to open that door with a stick. So, Yeah. It was pretty obvious. Oh, hey, Nash, I think I left my calculator here. <laughs> um, can I look around for it? <laughs> Another indicator was the fact that Nash's bodyguard had seen Holmes in Hollywood a few days after the robbery, literally wearing some of the stolen jewelry. <laughs> so, Are you fucking kidding me? After being stolen from and humiliated in his own home, Nash vowed for revenge. As he should, to be honest, but I'm picturing him wearing like like a Flavor Flav style like giant watch around his neck, but it says like Nash. Nash. <laughs> right. <laughs> so obvious. Like, okay, where'd you get that, John? He's like, uh Nashville. Knew it. Have you been to Tennessee? Cause I'm the only ten you see. <laughs> It's a great line, John. Really great. I gotta go. I left my calculator in my buddy's house, so I'm just gonna go get it. Just can't keep a hold of that thing. Just loses it's it everywhere. Crazy. So at this point, Eddie Nash is pretty certain John Holmes played a part in the robbery. Oh no shit! But he didn't know who else had been there at the time. So according to a man named Scott Thorson who was also the former lover of Liberace. Yeah, did you ever see that Liberace movie? God, no, the, the, the one that they just, it was like a couple years ago. Yeah. No. It was good. I haven't, I haven't seen that. It was wasn't fucking Matt Damon in it? I think it was. I think, I think Matt Damon played. Scott Thorson? I don't, I think so. Maybe? Uh, Someone's screaming like, so, yes or no, like, it idiots. wasn't Damon. It was Affleck. <laughs> He would never. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. Um, so anyways, Nash, knowing that Holmes was obviously involved, he hired his goons to seek out Holmes and beat him up until he gave up the names of the people who robbed him. Mm -hmm. And this was never proven, but it's likely that this was the case. I mean, if you've taken anything away from the story thus far, we can all agree that John Holmes was <laughs> not a loyal man, so naturally... He gave up the names of the Wonderland gang, and Nash now had a group to direct his anger towards. He did it immediately. Oh, totally. They're like, we're going to beat you. And he's like, wait, I'll tell you everything. It was wrong money. Yeah, Nash was like, you ever want to see this calculator again? <laughs> you ever want to write boobs on this calculator again? He like, <laughs> he peels one of the <laughs> the numbers off of the no, calculator. No, not the zero. I guess it won the most. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite number. John. John's favorite number is zero. You heard it here first. So Scott Thorson, Liberace's former lover, also claimed that he was at Nash's home when this information was being beaten out of Holmes. And he was asked to bring them to where the gang lived. And Eddie Nash told his, told his men to kill everyone that's in there. That's my Which bossy. is... I mean, he's a drug dealer. He's a, well, it's what a drug kingpin is going to do, you know, yeah. if you steal from him. 
On July 1st, 1981, the police would would receive a call from a group of professional furniture movers who had been working at the house next to 8763 Wonderland Avenue because they heard horrible moans coming from 8763 as if someone needed help and were lying in pain. Mm. When the police arrived at Wonderland Avenue around mid-afternoon, they were met with a bloody scene. They found the bludgeoned and bloody bodies of five people, one barely clinging to life. Were they, were they on the floor? Four of them were. <laughs> <laughs> Their faces had been beaten in so badly that there was no way of initially identifying the victims. Oh, that's fucked up. One officer even described the scene as being so gruesome that it looked like someone just splashed buckets of blood all over the place. Wow. And I did see bits and parts of the crime scene video and like, yeah, straight up. Really? It's just everywhere. Like Tarantino style? Tarantino style. Fuck. On the couch, on the walls, on the floor. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, So beware if you guys are sick and you want to look that up like I did. Um, So anyways. (laughs) It's research. Okay. It is research. The first to be discovered was Barbara Butterfly Richardson, David Clay Lynn's 22-year-old girlfriend. Mm. She had been sleeping on the couch in the living room downstairs, also most likely the first to die as she would have been the first person the perpetrators would see upon entering the home. Her body was found on the ground in front of the couch, beaten to death. Unfortunately for her, she was not involved with the robbery at all. Yeah. She just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and hanging out with the wrong people. Next, sleeping in a downstairs bedroom, police would find the bodies of Ron Lonius and his wife, Susan. Susan was badly beaten, but fortunately, she was still alive. Oh, oh, good. I mean, so sad she got beat, but, like, if anyone, yeah. She was found on the floor next to the bed, and her moans had been the sound that alerted the movers. Her husband, Ron Lonius, was not so lucky. Honestly, that's fine. Yeah, you had it coming. No offense to cousin Ronnie. Mm, it's, it's all right, it's all right. Him, like the others, had his skull crushed in. And he was found laying on the bed. Oh, okay. So. On the bed. On the bed. Police then made their way upstairs where they discovered Joy Miller beaten to death on her bed and her boyfriend Billy Deverell's body found in a pile slumped over a TV stand at the front of her bed with his skull crushed in. Whoa. Police found a bloody hammer in Joy's bed along with many metal pipes all over the floor. Which were obviously the murder weapons. Yeah, they, they definitely weren't playing plumber. Nope. Police searched the premises, but by the time the murderers by that time the murderers had already fled and just no one was there. Oh, they were hanging out waiting for the cops? They weren't. Um I know it's weird. I so weird. Uh, the police interviewed people who lived next door to the home, and neighbors had admitted to hearing quite a ruckus around three AM in the townhouse, but they didn't think anything was out of the ordinary because it was a drug den and they just assumed the gang was having another drug-fueled party and no one thought to call the police. Whenever I hear or see the word ruckus, I always think, can you describe the ruckus, sir? What's that from again? It's from uh, Breakfast Club. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) They're all like sweaty and sitting and he's like, what was that ruckus? Can you describe the ruckus, sir? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe the only time I've ever heard the word ruckus. The only evidence the police could come up with was a bloody handprint that was left on the headboard above Ron Lonius. Although Susan Lonius ended up surviving her wounds, she was beaten so badly and she had permanent amnesia and could not give up any clues as to what happened. Wow. It was also estimated that she laid on the floor, or I guess the bed, unsure which... Um, oh, no, she was found on the she floor. Was, yeah, she was one of the She was on the floor, floor yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was estimated that she laid on the floor with her skull bashed in for more than 12 hours. Jesus. Yeah. David Lind, who should have been there at the time, was apparently spending the night with a sex worker in a motel in San Fernando Valley where he was also out dealing drugs. And unlike his poor girlfriend, Butterfly... 
he was in the right place at the right time. That's so... Should have been him. Should have been him. Police interrogated Lind, and he told them all about the Nash break-in, giving police just something to work with. They now knew Nash had probable cause, but that also brought a new name into the mix. John Holmes. Johnny Big Dick Holmes. Mm. The handprint was believed to be that of John Holmes, who was arrested and charged with four counts of murder. So it was a bloody dick print, but they couldn't (laughs) put that in the police report. So, like, we're going to just say it's a hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was 13 inches long, so they're like, it's got to be him. This guy's got big hands. (laughs) The prosecution argued that he did it because he felt like he didn't get a proper cut of the Nash robbery. After John Holmes passed away, his ex-wife Sharon would come out and say that John admitted that he had been involved with the crime. She admits that he came to her home the night of the killing, covered in blood, which she thought had been his own, but then soon discovered it wasn't when she helped him clean it off. He maintained that he was there, but he never admitted to being involved in the actual murdering part, which is probably bullshit. Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. They probably forced him to do it, like, yeah. minimally, or he was just like, okay, free Coke, sure. I'm sure. You know? So police wanted to give Holmes a deal if he would rat on the bigger fish in the water, Eddie Nash. Mm. And at first, Holmes agreed, but then went back on his word once his ex-wife, Sharon, refused to go into witness protection. She had, like, a favorite diner she liked going she's, to. Yeah. She's like, I'm not, we're not doing this. He knew that she would likely be killed if he ratted, so he refused to give up any information. That's wild. I wonder why she didn't yeah. agree to and it. And, like, I mean, all of the things that we've said about John Holmes, like, he's a pretty terrible person. Oh, yeah. But he obviously really cared for his ex-wife, Sharon. Yeah, yeah, clearly he d- is protecting her. Yeah, that's like he's the only person he cares about, I guess. That's wild. Well, I mean, she was there, you know, for the whole, like, he's got a 13 and a half inch dick thing and he wants to be like a porn star and like I'm going to support him in his yeah. dreams. Mm. Yeah. That's a weird, that would be a weird conversation right. to have with your husband. What? Like, uh... I don't want you to be a porn star. <laughs> you know what? If I had a husband with a 13 and a half inch dick, I'd be like, you get the OnlyFans money, baby. You get it. Yeah, you got to at that point. <sighs> got to. Got to use what the Lord gave you. The, lo- the Lord. Jesus said, get this one a big one. <laughs> On June 16th, 1982, a jury acquitted Holmes of all murder charges. But since he refused to play nice with authorities, he would go on to serve 110 days in jail for contempt of court. Of course. (laughs) I wonder if it's because he refused to rat. That's probably what that is. I forget what it was. I think he was just, like, not... Just being an asshole. Yeah, he was just a fucking idiot. Like... Okay, cool. I mean, come on. We've we've seen it throughout this whole episode. Hey, (laughs) Kappa. Take a look at this. Hey guys. And they're like 100 days in jail now, John. Every time you take your 110 dick out, days. every time you take your dick out, it's another day. <laughs> Did it 110 times. <laughs> so with Holmes off the hook, police turned to Nash, who they knew all along was involved with the murder. So police questioned Nash, and after searching his home found more than a million dollars in cocaine, which he was then also charged for, and would spend two years in prison for. Mm -hmm. So originally sentenced to eight, but only had to serve two because of poor health. But it later came out that the judge was just bribed, and that's why. Oh, okay. No, yeah, that tracks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. But when it came to the murder charges, they really didn't have much on him. In 1990, Nash was finally charged with planning the murders with his bodyguard, Diles, committing them. The trial ended with a hung jury, or a deadlocked jury, with a vote of 11 to 1, 11 people believing he was guilty, and one holding out and saying that he wasn't. No shit. The one who held out was just an 18-year-old girl that Nash later admitted to bribing her with 50K oh. so she wouldn't say anything. Uh, 
which would be over a hundred thousand dollars in today's money. Would you take it as an eighteen year old? This is a this is a judgment free zone. Fuck yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, me too. Also hung jury. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't even try that one. That one just happened. <laughs> yeah, I would take that money for sure. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. Though. He was a pretty bad guy. But also, I feel like I would be afraid that if I didn't take it, he would, like, come after me and my family afterwards. Yeah, fully. Plus, you're, so, like, you're, like, 18 years old. Okay, he yeah. just, like, killed a bunch of other fucking assholes. He, he clearly went for, like, the most innocent and, you know, oh, yeah. he went for the 18-year-old who was probably just afraid of him, which yes. I would be if I was 18 years old. I'd be yeah. like, yeah, sure, just don't kill my family. Right? So... A second trial took place in 1991, but ended with an acquittal for both Nash and Dials. Dials died in 1995 of liver failure, and then Nash was a free man until 2000 when he was charged on RICO charges, specifically charges of drug dealing, racketeering, tax evasion, and conspiring to commit the Wonderland murders. Okay, just all of them. At this time, Nash actually was in really poor health, and he was suffering from emphysema and tuberculosis. Whoa, people still get tuberculosis? I guess he did. I don't know. Crazy. So he accepted a plea deal, and as a part of this deal, he admitted to bribing the juror and also to money laundering charges. Do you think that she got in trouble for being bribed? I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that. I wonder... Wonder if I wonder if there's go. like a yeah like a statute of limitations on that. Probably. You know, because it was I mean, like years. twenty. Years. I think it was like twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty or nineteen no nineteen ninety to two thousand. So yeah. yeah, ten years. I don't know. I don't know. So he refused to admit to killing any of the members of the Wonderland Gang because he, in all actuality, probably didn't. Mm-hmm. Like he hired people to do it. Okay. However, he did admit to ordering his goons to retrieve his stolen property, which he said could have, in turn, led to the murders. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. No, no. He was charged with four and a half, four and a half year sentence and a $250,000 fine. In 2014, Eddie Nash passed away, and he was a free man. And to this date, no one has ever been officially convicted of the four on the floor murders or the Wonderland murders. Wow. Susan Launius is alive mm-hmm. and well mm. and reportedly living in Southern California under a different name. God damn it, Susan. John Holmes died on March 13th, 1988, due to complications with AIDS. And he was only 43 years old. Oh. And this was before Nash and Dial's like their first trial because their first mm-hmm. trial was in 1990, mm-hmm. and he died in 1988. So uh, police tried mm-hmm. without any luck questioning him on his deathbed, but that at that point he was just like too far gone. Yeah, he like pulls him over. He's like, oh, oh, "Officer, I, I, I want to c- confess something to you." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, John, what is it?" And he's like, "Look at this." <laughs> Like, all right, fuck this fucking guy. Like, okay, John. All right. We've seen it before. (laughs) He's like, try to put me in jail now. (laughs) When he died, Holmes had a request. He believed a crazed fan would want to cut off his large wang and display it somehow. So uh, he requested that his wife, well, ex-wife, I don't know if they were officially divorced. Oh. We're gonna call them at her ex-wife, but I think they might have still like no papers or anything were filed. Okay. So he requested that Sharon ensure his body was intact before cremation. I was gonna make a joke <laughs> about his dick being preserved, actually. So. Well, his penis was forever immortalized in the form of a 12 and a half, 13 and a half, I don't know. No one knows the correct size. Nobody knows. But his Penis was immortalized in a rubber dildo that you can buy in sex shops and online. Someone send us that for Christmas. <laughs> we'll put it on the wall, please. Yeah, we will literally mount it in the wall of our studio like a yeah. deer head, but it's just <laughs> but it's just a dildo. <laughs> we have that's the wouldn't be the only dick we have up here. Oh yeah, we do have little another thump. dick. Little thumper. Yeah, all oh, little thumper and big and big John. <laughs> Johnny Wad. 
21. The crime scene video that was taped and that we talked about in the beginning marked the first time in American history that a video was used as evidence in a criminal trial. The Wonderland murders to this day are regarded as one of Hollywood's most brutal and grotesque murders in history. Yeah, that sounds wild, dude. That sounds really bloody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say it's like bad guys killing bad guys. It is bad guys killing bad guys. I do feel for Butterfly because oh my God. Yeah. She, she was just, just to spread she her was wings just crashing. Fly? Yeah. That's so sad, dude. Do so. you think she had a butterfly tattoo? Probably. That's probably why her nickname is Butterfly. Not because she has no? six legs. Uh, either or. Love to I drink. think either or. Big fan of drinking nectar. She loves nectar. She loves just to sit on a flower. That's kind of her thing. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of the Wonderland murders. Damn, or the dude. four on the floor. Damn, dude. I can't believe your cousin Ronnie did that shit. I know, right? It's Honestly, messed up. out of the family. Family history. Kick well, I mean, he kind of is. Dead. He's dead. At your next, he's super dead. At your holiday party, be like, "Where are we having a cousin Ronnie?" Anyone, anyone ever uh, talked to Ronnie lately? Ask your grandma. See if anyone says anything, and everyone's just like, "Shh, what do we don't talk about." Ronnie. I don't know why your family talks. <laughs> my aunt, my Irish family talks like that. We don't talk about Ronnie, okay? We don't talk about Ronnie. <laughs> hey, yo, talk about Ronnie. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that was good. Uh, thanks. Mm. Thank you for that. Thank you. Delightful family history. Um, if anyone has uh, maybe a murder in your family or anything like that that you want to tell us about, we forgot to say uh, celebrate strange and keep it usual. Don't we usually say that before? Or what? Or do we do the shout outs first? It's been a long time. Never mind. We're literally doing. What do you? That's our. Never that's mind. our ending thing we say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you talking My brain about? went somewhere. Did you just have a stroke? <laughs> Uh, we forgot to we forgot to end the show before we ended the show. I was ending it, and then I was like, "Wait, we have to end it." Did we not have a listener mail? That's what we are missing. We don't no have listener. One. All right, all right. Well, then we need some listener mails, guys. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Keep that stroke in there. Um, if anyone, <laughs> if anyone has a family murder in their history, uh, wait, what am I saying? If anyone has a murderer in their family history, there it is. Mm. I'm I'm unwell. Uh, it's a good uh, thing that this was my episode to lead then no fucking shit dude we have to record mine after this Um, please send us some listener lore send it to our inbox it's quite unusual pod at gmail.com or you can DM us on the social means I don't always see them not gonna lie to you yeah if you want us to read your mail I would say send it to the gmail yeah for sure that's quite unusual pod at gmail.com so send us yeah, any cool murder stories? If you just want to say hi, whatever. If you want to tell us your dick is over 13 inches, we do want to hear about it. I mean, don't send us any pictures, though, because no. I do not want that. I don't want to see it. I don't want it. We're just, I want um, to know. Just let us know. You know what? I don't even want to know. I'll read, I'll read the you, emails for a while. You can send that, okay. per se, for Noel at the top, and then I'll know not to read it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> And we also have a Patreon if you guys are interested in supporting the podcast that way. Um, it's just patreon.com slash quite unusual pod. Yes. And if you do want to send us a giant dildo of this man's dick for Christmas. We'll mount it on our wall. We will mount it. And we, we will, will post it on our Instagram. We will post it for several weeks in a row. I promise yes, that. Yes, we will. Please send it to P.O. Box 1212 in Des Plaines, Illinois, 600017. And this is when I tell you guys to uh, the time? celebrate the strange. And then I follow it up with a keep it unusual. <laughs> yeah, this is when we say that part. Can we say bye now? Bye. Okay, bye. And this is the part of the show, after we've ended the show officially, mm, where yes. we say some more things, and the show is not technically over yet. Yes. And we give praise to our all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. And to Tim M., who had a birthday in November. Oh. Shall we? Shall we? We shall. Uh, happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to How much more do we have to sing? Happy birthday to you. Oh.
Bell, the leader of a sex cult. Mm. Oh, I'm, wait, I'm sorry. Did I, I think I read that wrong. Mm. I meant to say the leader of an exes a cult, oh. which I guess is just a group of your exes that hang out and mm. they do a cult activity. Interesting. Which, honestly, is a lot scarier. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't I think like. I prefer the sex cult. I would too. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Dylan B., a semi-pro wrestler that goes by the name of Simply Skull. So sick. Skull is a badass name. Mm, it is. To Justin W., who has been trapped in another dimension for the last 42 years. He just got back to our dimension, and he has not aged a minute. Mm. Unfortunately, though, he still thinks that it is Thanksgiving, mm. November 27th, 1980, and he's really looking forward to the decade. Oh, bad news. Bad yes. news, Justin. Which he hears about Enron. Mm. Evan K, a homicidal maniac that takes his frustration out by needlepointing instead of murdering. We are very impressed, Evan. It is some serious self-control. Yes. Yeah. To KDT, the founder of a local chapter of the Werewolves Not Scarewolves mm. Club that teaches werewolves to be therapy dogs on full moons instead of going on rampages throughout the village. It has not been successful. Oh, what a shame. But what it's, a shame. It's a nice thought. It is, it is. Adam K, a bone and oddity collector. His favourite item? The skull of Bob Saget encased in a bowling ball. Bob did truly love to bowl. What a fitting tribute. Oh, Streck. <laughs> Christina N, named after her great, 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 great Aunt Christina, the vampire hunter. Christina has been known to be able to sniff out vampires a mile away. Mm. Ted Cruz? He has mm. been confirmed to be the Sesame Street Count's second cousin by Christina and her nose that knows. Mm. Please, please find him and kill him, Christina. For all of us. Do it for all of us, please. To John S. John is the phantom of the opera. <gasps> Sorry, John. Keeping the secret was... Honestly, too hard. I mean, he wears the mask everywhere. He wants people to know. I mean, it's stylish. How could you not? He looks great. He looks great. Let's be honest. Mm. Yes. And to Caitlin R., a future time traveler. Don't worry, Caitlin. You'll meet your future self in the future, and she will take you to the past, who will then teach you... I'm going to say this all over again. All right. I think that's a good idea. I wrote those things, and it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And finally, to Caitlin R., a future time traveler. Don't worry, Caitlin. You'll meet your you'll meet your future self in the future, and she will take you to the past to meet your past self, who will then keep your past self from meeting your future self in an attempt to save the future from the past in the past that will then go to the future. Hmm. Trust me, the math does check out. I used um, a calculator. John Holmes's calculator? Yeah, he left it at my house. Oh, I, he does that all I was the like, time. I'm just going to use it because he's but, like it, he's been back like four days in a row. And we, he hasn't mm, taken it. Mm. I would lock your doors. Is the sliding glass door locked? <laughs> Thank you to all our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're nothing. We're not worthy. We're nothing. We don't even have 13-inch cocks. Honestly, we don't even have a cock. Oh, 